Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori, and today we are talking about shopping. Something Lori and I are pretty darn good at. (laughs) Yes, we are. Uh, So, Daniela, let's chat about how sourcing has been for us lately, and what are some of the brands that have surprised us? You know, like maybe brands that are totally underrated. Yeah, or brands that seem to be totally overrated these days. Yeah, sounds good. All right, friends, let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Mm. Hi, I'm just sipping my little tequila cocktail. (laughs) My little I only have a seltzer, but we're going to pretend that it's something else. (laughs) How's everybody doing today? Thanks for joining us. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. So Daniela and I, uh, well, Daniela was gracious enough to make this, uh, agreed for this to be a pretty lighthearted episode. Um, It makes my life easier when I don't have to create a script. So I'm always for it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, we it, and this seems to be something we just love to do is is chat about shopping. I've said this before. When I was at Weight Watchers, the most successful I ever was was when we had a leader who just talked about food all the time. <laughs> talked about recipes. It was great. So we talk about sourcing. I I hope um our listeners will enjoy it. So yeah, we want to talk today about brands that may be frequently overlooked or brands that might be completely hyped up and where not experiencing the success with some of those brands, right? Yeah. So we're going to be using some of our own data to talk about it, maybe some of our experiences that that we've had with different brands, and then what we've kind of seen when we go to thrift stores and whatnot, uh, and kind of just talk about our experiences with it. But before we get into that, I actually want to mention one thing, Lori, and I want to thank all the new listeners that are out there, because I checked our stats today Mm -hmm. from Thrifters Villa, and you guys have been binging all the episodes, so thank you very much. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Our average listenership has skyrocketed in the last like two weeks and um, all our episodes have lots of new listens on it. So thank you to all of our new listeners. We hope you enjoy all of our content that we put out. We work really hard to give you guys um, informative uh, little sessions with us. It's just a little chit chat. We just like to sit down and talk to you guys about, you know, reselling and life and everything else. What's going on in our What's going on in our villa? So yeah. welcome to the villa, friends. Yes, welcome everyone. Mm-hmm. So Lori, um, how have your sourcing trips been? So it's been, what, we're like three months since we opened? Two months? Three months? Around there. We opened, like late May-ish. Yeah. I think you opened a little before us. Yeah, we opened a little before you guys. But um, do you notice any changes within the thrift store? Do you, is it about the same from when they first opened? Like, how is it looking for you guys in Mass? Now, I did shop in Mass this weekend. So yeah, but that was my first that. time. Oh, really? Um, in a thrift store, anyway. I feel like um, Savers continues to be pricey, but I can but I can still find some little gems in there. I think the one big downside to savers is that they are not having their 50% off holiday sales, those Monday sales, which I really used to look forward to. Um, And even with their high prices, when they would do their 50% off sale, I would, I would try to get there early or scout it out on a Sunday um, and kind of plan for it. And there just aren't any deals there. And I would also say that our goodwill, in Worcester 
which is one that I frequently go to. I have not been to Boston Goodwill since quarantine. Have I? Maybe I popped in there once, but their bins, I think maybe open for a short time and then closed. I've only been to the bins in New Hampshire once. I feel like my sourcing habits have changed, having everybody home and having, you know, the bins have a different system. So, um, I don't know, per usual, I, th- I think the biggest change is I've done more retail arbitrage than ever. Yeah, I was just going to say that my biggest change is I'm in the retail stores. Yes. Yep. I think that's the biggest change for me. I think that's the biggest change. Um, but I'm still, I'm still kind of not fully committed to any one source. I, I hit a, a vintage estate sale last week. I went to a church thrift yesterday and hit my first yard sale yesterday or first one in a while. So I still like to source like anywhere I can, but I feel like the retail arbitrage stuff, like I've noticed the past two months, my um, average selling price jumped a bit. It was like $34 and change in the month of um, July. And I think the past two weeks have been 35 ish, but I think that's because I have a lot more RA and I have a couple pieces that are very expensive, but I've also put a lot of money into them. So I don't, I don't think that's a really fair, I, I still feel like my average selling price should be around $30, but I have, a, I had a few high end pieces that threw that off. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I'm actually looking at um, my average sale price for July was um, $33. But then if you take away fees, it was $26. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had my best, my best month was actually July. So it's so funny. I didn't experience summer slowdown at all. Um, my June was a little slow um, mm-hmm. with my total sales. So net profit was about like 1,200. Mm-hmm. And then for July, my net profit was almost $3,000. Wow. Crazy. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. It was a good, month. A really but, good month, but it was all, it was mostly retail arbitrage stuff, but it shows like my, I sold way more. I sold 108 items in July. That's great. Crazy. Yeah. Great. And um, August, I mean the my average sale price in August is about $30 right now, but I definitely don't have as much in sales. Like my total sales so far is nowhere close to what July was. Yeah. I mean, I just did a what sold video earlier um, this week. So it's kind of fresh in my head. I mean, I'm, I'm at about, I think I was at like 2,100 in sales for the first two weeks of August. That's awesome. um, Across the platforms. I mean, you know, it's not, it's good. It's, it's actually, I feel like August was better than has, is off to a better start for me than July. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I was treading water a little bit in July um, I think my, my overall sales were like around 35. I didn't do a what sold video for the month of July. So I'm, I'm like off kilter with that month. I'm yeah. not like in touch with it. That's okay. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, only, I'm looking at Sarah Styles dashboard that I use. So that's the only reason why I know what, like the exacts of it. And I think some of the items too that sold, I didn't put cost of goods in for them. Um, I think I might've forgotten. So some of the numbers might be a little skewed, but I mean, for the most part, July was really good, but my April, like I'm just totally off topic, but I'm looking at my April and May and man, it was bad. <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, that was also really close yeah. to post, post-pandemic post stuff. Yeah, you know? April and, and May were, were pretty rough, but anyways. I, yeah, I mean, things change every month. I have the Seller Insight app and I was looking at the numbers and something felt a little off to me when I was reading it. And um, I realized that I put in a default $5 um, cost of goods on everything. That's like my default cost of goods, which I mean, that really averages about what I, I was going to say that's 
basically our average. It is basically my average, which is why I put that as the default, but, but it still skews the numbers a little bit, you know, like for example, um, in the month of July, I bought, I sold a Johnny was trench coat for $170. I paid $89 for that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's going to show a much, so if I have $5 as my default setting, it's just going to show a much higher profit than I actually made on that. So yeah. I will say though, um, the retail arbitrage has been fun. It's, um, and mostly because the prices have been so great. So I'm taking more risks on brands that I probably would have never picked up necessarily if I saw them at a thrift store. Um, so that part of it's been really fun. And I'm with you, Lori, like savers is still the same. (laughs) Savers, um, savers prices are just, they're, they're a little high. Um, and I think other people, I just posted a, a photo today of all my receipts for savers because their point system was down for a month and uh-huh. you can send them in. Um, and people were commenting when they saw the prices that were on the receipt, they were like, oh, so it's not just where I am. The prices are really high. It's like, no, yeah. it's, it's everywhere. The prices for savers are very high. And I actually had an interesting comment on that post. I'm going to just read it um, quickly. And I don't know how true this is. So, you know, let's just... You guys can just listen and then you can let us know and, you know, you can DM us and let us know your thoughts on it. But this um, individual said, uh, happy I came across this post. I was browsing at a savers about 40 minutes from home and walked past the back room where they were processing donations. I saw the employees with small computers that they were using to look up the name brands on the clothes and handbags. Then they would price the item according to their findings. I couldn't believe my eyes. Uh, and then she goes on to say, so maybe this is something that they're implementing in a lot of the areas where they've marked up the prices. So interesting. I mean, did she ask them? Um, like, was that like an I assumption? I didn't ask her, but um, it sounds very familiar because Goodwill started doing this, right? It was this last year when they started to do this and then they opened up their um, Goodwill online store. Yep. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I mean, Savers is a for-profit organization, yeah. so it's not, you know, it doesn't surprise me. And honestly, if I were a thrift store owner, I would try to get very educated people in there to know what was good and what um, I yeah. could mark up. I mean, because generally I feel like they really miss the mark. They're, they're, they severely price gouge on things like Victoria's Secret and Loft and, you know, older, basic Ralph Lauren in my stores yep. seem to really mark those things up. Lucky brand, you know, I don't think they realized that lucky brand jeans were much bigger even two years ago and they're still pricing them really high. So, and then they miss really great ones. But I also think sometimes if I'm a store owner, I, most people who are in there looking are looking for a lot of those general brands. I mean, I was in a thrift store yesterday. It was a church thrift and the sweet woman came in and she had just lost 30 pounds. And she's like, I'm trying to find stuff that fits me and blah, blah, blah. And she's looking through the rack and she's like, oh my gosh, look at this loft. Loft is a good brand, you know, this is really nice. And then, you know, a couple later and it was like, oh, Coldwater Creek, you have such beautiful things in here. And, you know, she wasn't wrong. They were both nice pieces, but, but I really do think to the average Joe who's shopping or Jane, um, right. <laughs> you know, those are decent brands. I mean, those are brands, you know, I laugh because we're always hunting for these really good brands. And I think I'm wearing, um, old Navy PJ pants right now and an Everlane t-shirt. So, oh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm 50, 50. Secret, so, 
I have Victoria's Secret pajama pants that are leopard print on, so. Yeah, so I mean, I, I do think that we wear a lot of the more average, for lack of a better word, things. And I think we're going to talk about some of those brands today that might surprise some of our listeners, things that are kind of underrated that people like you and I, Daniela, may not talk about like on our YouTube channels. They're not necessarily bolos, be on the lookout for, you know, but they are things that are performing in our closets. Yeah. And I think um, just to go off of what you just said, Lori, when I'm shopping for myself at the thrift store, I'm not picking up fancy brand names for myself unless I happen to find like good Americans in my size that I pick them up or Everlane in my size. But I'm typically picking up like Old Navy, Loft, um, Coldwater Creek, those three, my closet's filled with them. I love Coldwater Creek for myself. They have right, great- so when you think about that in terms of well, what do you love and then, well, why wouldn't a person- Why wouldn't we pick it up to sell? I know. And right. I, I think I've gotten better with that because of my sourcing in different areas. So I've been going to different places and different types of thrift stores. And I think it's allowed me to pick up those brands because I can't get those brands and savers. They're too much money for me to resell, um, which we can talk about, you know, how we've kind of- yeah gone to some different locations where maybe they have some dollar dollar days and then you're like oh I'm going to take a chance on this and I'm going to throw it I mean actually it happened to me um in in the haul that I did in today's YouTube video I picked up a sweater based on style the brand was called if it were you yeah I saw that I never heard of it before yeah I think it's a TJ Maxx brand I think it's like a little boutique brand but it was you know like a southwest Aztec cute. It was really pretty. Yeah, it was a really pretty sweater and sold in 12 hours. And I mean, no name brand, like no name brand. That was 100% on style. So it just, sometimes it comes down to that brand versus style. And, you know, I was thinking that, oh, maybe I, I didn't even have a chance to try it on and, and decide if I wanted to keep that sweater because it was kind of right up my alley. It was like an oversized cardigan and had black accents with cute with leggings. And, you know, I just, um, you just never know sometimes those, but I probably would have passed on that at a savers because it would have been marked $7.99. Or more. Or more. Yeah. $7.99, And I would have said, you know what, this is a cute sweater, but it would probably only sell for like 20 bucks and blah, blah, blah. And after I take the picture, so I would have passed on it, but because it was at a yard sale for $2, I picked it up and took a chance on it. And this is why we've also discussed like why shopping at the bins, if you're new to reselling and you're worried about making mistakes, you're trying to, you know, educate yourself on brands when you can buy in at a really inexpensive cost, you can take a few more risks. I think that's really the bottom line when it comes to this, when it comes to brands too, is if you're only spending one to $2 a piece on something, it's totally worth it to take risks. And then you discover these brands that people don't really talk about too much that actually sell really well. It may only be maybe a 15 or $20 profit, but they sell well and they sell quickly. Um, when you're limiting your sourcing because you don't have any other option, or maybe it's just more, more convenient for you to these more expensive, like buy, sell, trade or savers, for example, for profit thrift stores, uh, it limits what you can get. You know, it really does. You can't, could I buy, I don't know, Talbot's pants for sixteen ninety nine and maybe make 40 bucks. Yeah, but it's not going to be likely. <laughs> right. That's, that's a higher risk on something that you might not even be too passionate about. But I mean, it also, it also makes you reflect on all of our, on our business models, right? Daniela yeah. and you and I, our businesses have been through changes. Like there are seasons to everybody's business. And mm-hmm. There have been times where I've been highly, highly selective. And there have been times that I'm like, whatever, this is a buck, I'm going to pick it up. And 
I've had success and failures with both ends of the spectrum. So, which is why I usually say buy what you love because, you know, at the end of the day, if it's something you're going to be sick of, like there are certain things that I purchased because I thought it was a good brand or because it was just cheap. And like the thought of even sharing it pains me, like how long it's been in my closet. Um, And there are other things that have been around for a very long time. And I'm like, you know what? I still believe in you and I'm going to keep sharing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to share till I can't share no more. And if you love an item, you know, sometimes it will surprise you, but I don't know. There are so many different schools of thoughts. Um, And I'm trying, I try to be careful with my words because I think of like new people who are listening and I don't want people to think that you have to be one specific way as a reseller because there are just so many different models that are successful. Yeah. And I think it's hard to figure out what works for you. It's true. But even, even when you do think you figure out what works for you, you end up changing it anyway. So like Lori and I say all these different things, but then sometimes we revert back to things that we've done in the past because for whatever reason it's working this month. Right. I I just think it it just depends on the climate of so many different things. There's no one set way. Right. And I mean, even if you were doing things a certain way and your business model was over the top successful and now we're in the heart of the pandemic and, you know, moving forward financially, once, you know, all the stimulus checks go away, it could, it's going to get harder and harder for people. It is. It is. Especially if um, things don't go back. I'm not going to say normal because we'll never be the same, but if things don't go back um, in terms of reopening and businesses keep shutting down and never reopening again, it's going to change a lot about how people shop and their spending habits and just all of it. It's, it's going to be. I mean, I think so far we've been so lucky to be, you know, business owners with most of our inventory right in our homes, you know, for smaller people and, you know, we're not, we don't have warehouses, most of us. And um, we're just so lucky, you know, that we can shift gears and say, okay, well, things are tough right now. I want my monthly spending budget to tighten up a little bit. So instead of going to Savers, I'm only going to go to Salvation Army on Mondays and get 99 cents items, 99 cent items. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, we have that option. We do. And, you know, even not even larger, but like people that have brick and mortar stores can't, necessarily do that because whatever they're buying is going to be that price regardless. So it's sad to see a lot of the brick and mortars go. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it is, you know, I love brick and mortar stores. I'm that kind of like, I like to touch things. I like to feel them. I like to experience them. Yep. And like, even the thought of malls going away, like, it's just, I don't like it. It may, it makes me really sad. I don't like it. I mean, it's sad when Angelina was shopping for her high school graduation. I mean, she ordered four or five dresses um, because she's, I'd say, Ange, let's just go to the store. She's like, mom, it doesn't make a difference. I can't try them on even when I'm in the store, which is an additional hit to the stores because that was the one thing that kept people going into the stores, right? Well, yeah, I can order online. It's more, it's easier. It's convenient. I can do returns. It's this, it's that. But at the end of the day, I can't try an item on. I'd like to see how something fits you can't do that in the store either now. So although when I did, um, I made a recent purchase at Everlane and their fitting rooms were open in Boston. Uh, Nordstrom Rack in Westwood had their fitting rooms open too. Yeah. So I don't know how some stores are able to be open and others aren't. They must have it spaced. Maybe if they have enough fitting rooms, they're able to like say, okay, this one's open, this one's closed kind of thing. Hmm. I don't know. There must be a regulation with it. 
I mean, the only thing at Everlean is like, I brought my stuff out. I'm like, oh, I'll put this back on the rack. They're like, oh, no, no. Did you try that on? And I'm like, oh, gosh, yes. She's like, yeah, that's going to be out back for a day. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Here I am trying to be nice. I'm like, oh, let me return it. She's like, no, please just leave it in there. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what, what's interesting, too? So the, they don't want you using the fitting room, right? So people are trying clothes on. Oh, right. Yep. Oh, you're, it's literally the same thing. Please stop and don't do that. No, <laughs> Please don't try the clothes on. <laughs> don't do it. Somebody at Salvation Army, one of the workers was scolding somebody trying something on, you know. Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't do it. Basically, if you try it on, you now own it. That should just be the rule. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah, that, that's one way of, that's one way of making sales. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some brands that, um, might be a little underrated. I feel like we talk a lot. I feel like there is a lot of talk about overrated brands. You know, people like, oh, I'm not picking up anthropology anymore. Oh, I'm super selective with free people. Like I hear that sort of conversation all the time, but I don't hear the underrated brands a lot. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to start with one that I think people pass on because they're, so typically this, the price point on this athleisure is higher in thrift stores but if you can find it for the right price it's totally worth it is a following for it and that brand is athleta i don't pass on athleta if it's under like 7.99 i don't pass on it i i pick it up um whether it's a dress whether it's leggings um a top or their um their sweatshirts and stuff. I, I do really well with it. And just looking at my data alone, I've sold um, 10 pieces since the beginning of the year. And my average sale price has been $33 and 68 cents. for oh, That's really good. Yeah. And um, I would say probably four out of the, uh, maybe five out of the uh, 10 items that I have have been bought outright, like no offers, no anything. Someone just came on and purchased it. Cause I haven't priced usually between like the 30, $45 mark. It depends on what the piece is. Yeah. And they buy it outright. So I say for me, Athleta is something that I think isn't really talked about as much and looked over, but I would always pick it up. I mean, I definitely think that um, Lululemon is hyped up more than Athleta. And I yeah. think of them more as parallel. Um, like, like, like you're saying, I do have, I've sold, I, I don't know about since the year started, but since I started on Poshmark, which will be two years on the 20th of this month, um, I've sold 40 pieces of Athleta. That's but, darn good. Yeah, it is pretty good. And I'm just trying to see how many I have, four, eight, 12, 16, 20, 24, 27 pieces available. And I've sold 40. Yeah, so that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It is. I feel like it's my Athleta's been a little bit slow lately, but I am a fan of Athleta, and I will also pick it up. Well, I'm a big fan of um, Gap Athleisure, which is why I really like Athleta Athleisure too. Right. Yeah. Um, I do love Gap too. I think Gap is Gap as a fit and style. I think is really underrated. But um, from a selling standpoint, I don't know that I've ever tried to sell Gap Athleisure. Have you? Uh, I sold it when I found it at the bins, and it mm -hmm. did fairly well. I want to say it was between like the twenty twenty five dollar mark, which mm -hmm. would make sense because the Athleta is selling around the thirty to forty five dollar mark. So it, it makes sense it's selling a little bit less. The only problem with Gap is that when I find it at the thrift store, it's typically marked up, so I can't pick it up. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, unless it's Salvation Army and it's a and it's the dollar tag, then 
I would, but I don't typically find Gap a Salvation Army, but I do find it a Savers a lot. Yeah, interesting. I, I personally love the Gap. I wore Gap for years. Gap jeans are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm. They weren't cheap. Like growing up, it oh. was like, you know. Remember when the Gap sweatshirts were like the coolest thing on earth to have? Like just like the big letters? Yeah, the big letters of Gap on the front, yeah. and I would go to the outlet and rent them, and like I'd, I'd want one every time. I've always loved the Gap. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Excuse me. <coughs> the tequila went down the wrong pipe. Well, that's not good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, okay, yes, I do love Athleta as well. I would agree. Um, so I just went through a few, you know, I would just randomly pick a brand and look at how many listings I had, look at how many sold and what my average selling price was. Um, but this is like from the beginning of time. This is over a two-year span. So really, it would be more helpful to our audience if I had, you know, more current data, like just in this year, say. But as a general rule, I think that's okay. Um, though I think it's good to have the the two years of data because it's more it's more data to compile the uh, the evidence that you have. Yeah, it's more information. So one of the brands that I really like to pick up, and again, I, I'm selective with it, but I've had a lot of luck. Is Soft Surroundings? See, I'm looking at my Soft Surroundings now. I've only sold one piece of Soft Surroundings, and it's only sold for twenty dollars. Okay. Um, I've listed 12 soft surroundings items and 10 have sold. And my average selling price was $29 and 30 cents. Oh, that's not bad. So for me, I was like, you know what this, now I just want to look and see again, I I tend to pick up more substantial pieces. I'm not necessarily picking up a soft surroundings, solid colored t-shirt. You know, they have, they have certain pieces that are like either heavily embroidered or lace, um, like I sold a swing coat for $50, like a cowl neck sweater sold for 22, just a denim tensile for 20. I'm pretty sure that was a buy Felicia. That was around forever. Um, like a real, like a Teddy cardigan, a size Ooh. 20. I'm sure that has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was plus size. That sold for $43, another cowl neck for 35. Um, yeah, they, they just have some nice pieces. It reminds me of Coldwater Creek. Yeah, Garnet Hill, Soft Surroundings. Yeah, yeah. yep. That's and I, I'm probably more likely to pick up Soft Surroundings than I am Coldwater Creek, although I just picked up a Coldwater Creek piece yesterday that I absolutely love and might keep. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I just, have, I've done that too. I've probably grabbed two. In the last few thrift um, trips I've gone on, I've bought three pieces of Coldwater, Coldwater Creek, Two are blouses for me for work, and one is this really cool um, velour overall style thing that I someone needs to buy because if you oh, fit it, it's it's adorable, that and I can't wait for it to sell. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know with these with these brands too if they do better um, in larger sizes. I would say I feel like if I'm looking at these extra large, extra large, 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 medium, 1X, size 20. Yeah, I think I definitely migrate to the larger sizes with these brands. Yeah, I would agree. 
I feel like those brands have a have a following for um, the for plus size. Well, I mean, think about it. If you're looking at like Reformation, it's a lot of you know spaghetti straps, yep. fitted, uh, lots of styles cropped or or skinny legs. You know, a lot of the styles with some of the trendier pieces are meant for a certain body type and a lot with, um, and I speak on my own behalf for this, a lot of the soft surroundings is more complimenting of a plus size body, like an A-line or a V-neck or oversized slouchy, you know, um, that lagging look. So I just think the style of it lends itself to somebody with more curves. Yes, I agree. And I think that's why for my own personal closet, I gravitate towards those brands for myself. Yeah, same. I, I, I am a fan as well. All right, let me look here. Here, another underrated brand. Oh, so Lori and I talked about this one. Um, Spanx. So I think people, mm. when they think of Spanx, they think of just like the Spanx leggings that everyone wants that are very desirable. But actually, actual Spanx pieces, um, like, uh, let me think, what are a couple of the ones that I sold? Like the underwear type pieces. The yeah, one- like shapewear. Yeah, shapewear. Couldn't think of the, name, the word. Thank yeah. you, Lori. <laughs> I'm here for you. <laughs> um, so yeah, the shapewear does really, really well. I've sold six pieces and my average sale price is $41.33. Yeah, that's great. I love Spanx. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about Spanx too is you go in, in even at places like Savers, they don't, Spanx is not something that gets marked up in my nope. experience. Not at and all. You go to like the lingerie section and you flip through the, the slips and it's almost like Lululemon. Like you can almost tell by touch that it's Spanx and um, it does pretty well. So I have six listings for Spanx and um, I've sold five. The only things that haven't sold are um, shaping like sheer uh, nylons sort of things. I have like a three, three packages for $40 listed and those haven't sold, but um, just at quick glance, I would say my average selling price is around $32, $33. Yeah. So that's really, that's a really great average sale price. Yeah, absolutely. And two of them were shapewear, two of them were leggings, and one was like a new with tag. Um, I think it was with you when I got this. What, did oh. I find this in Maine? It was a Spanx um, turtleneck, new with tags. Oh. I yeah. thought it was a main when I found that. Maybe. But anyways, yeah, that sold eventually that too. That was a long time ago, Lori. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I know. In January. Mm, gosh, time flies. I know. But yeah, Spanx is, is definitely great and not just for leggings. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think everyone associates Spanx with the moto leggings and the like the pleather looking leggings and the fake leather, but um, their shapewear is really good. Um, I have a brand that really surprised me. That if you had asked me, I would say, nah, I don't really pick that up anymore. I, I have one that surprised me too now that I'm looking at my numbers. You go first. Um, Adidas. Yeah. So funny you say that. Adidas is on here for me as well. Um, I apparently have sold four pieces that I didn't even know I had uh, in my closet. And my average selling price is $45. Yeah. Like this brand. I, I'm not, I think, I think where I'm making all my money on Adidas is in sneakers and I have bought a fair amount retail arbitrage. Um, but I have 29 Adidas pieces listed and I've sold 25 of them. Wow. My average selling price is $33 and 80 cents. That's awesome. Totally shocked. But you know why? Because it's the same damn orange Adidas tank top 
that I've had since August of 2018 <laughs> that every time it sees me, it like burns my, every time I see it, it burns my eyes. And I think that is my negative association with Adidas. I should just pull that piece from my closet and I will sleep better at night. Why don't you just go give it to Plato's closet? They'll take it. <laughs> yeah, they probably will. I mean, but I, I, I always, um, one of my criteria is I always go for the, the trefoil logo. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I try not to get anything that doesn't have that because I just think that's more popular streetwear look. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I was really shocked by Adidas cause it, I don't even, I don't even look at it much anymore. Yeah, but I, I don't seek it. I don't like, not even for myself. Like it's just not a brand that I just like Nike. I don't pick up Nike. I mean, I, I do for the right price, but see, Nike's one of those things that you can't touch it at. It's it's laughable at salve at um, yeah. Savers. I know, I know. They it's mark it up so well. Ninety nine for a pair of used Nike leggings that are completely pills in a hundred different directions. I pick up like the Nike Pro shorts at the outlets all the time because they're a quick fifteen, eighteen dollars, and they cost a dollar at the bins. Oh yeah, I mean that's worth it. Cause like when Angie danced, she lived in those, like she, they put like those booty shorts over their leotard. And mm -hmm. I mean, that was also years ago now, a few years back. So I don't, I don't know what the kids these days are wearing, but that back in the day, Angie would wear those all the time. I think they still wear that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. And they were expensive. Like when I would buy them, they would be like, they would be like 30, 35 bucks when I'd get oh, them. Yeah. Like When Nike one. was huge and uh, Macy's used to have like exclusive Nike pieces. I remember I, begged my mom for my birthday. This is probably like five years ago. She's like, what do you want? I was like, I really want this Nike sweatshirt that only Macy's has. It has rose gold on it. I need it. It was like $108. Hmm. I think I, I think I sold it when I started on Poshmark. Um, I think I only sold it for like 25, 30 bucks because hmm. I couldn't move it for anything more than that. I remember getting a Nike sweatshirt as a, as a young mom that I had to have. And it was like oversized. It, I had bought these cute black on black leopard Nike sneakers. It was like Ooh. subtle leopard, but I love leopard. And then there was this Nike sweatshirt that matched and but it, it was like, um, like raglan, like it had black sleeves and then the mm -hmm. leopard print was on the, you know, the body part. And I had to have that. And I bought it in two different sizes from two different stores. Cause I didn't know if I wanted the extra large or the large. And it was like $65. And I think I sold it for, like you said, like 25. Yeah. It just doesn't sell. But I obsessed it over sell. it for a bit. Yeah. It's crazy. It mm -hmm. is crazy. So another brand that I have that, um, I didn't realize that I really sold, but I think I sold these recently. Um, and it was donation pieces that I had and it's Ann Taylor. My average sale price for Ann Taylor is $28. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. But these, the pieces that sold, um, so there's two pieces and, um, that was my average sale price, $28. They were sweaters that I got as uh, donations from a next door, uh, pickup that I did. So a brand that I've never picked up to resell, like I maybe not even at the bins. I don't think I've ever really picked it up um, for myself. I have, but yeah, it, that's not bad. Yeah, and Jack from Jack and Ryan, um, he just, he just sold an Ann Taylor piece that I think sold like $28, $30. And he was yeah. really surprised. He was like testing the waters with it. And so I think he determined as well, like if it's current and um, something that appeals to me and is cute, I will pick it up. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a bins thing. Bins or donation thing, I would absolutely do it because, again, savers would mark 
an Ann Taylor shirt up quite a bit. So. Oh, for sure. So I'm looking quickly. I don't pick Ann Taylor up very much. I'm looking at a few pieces that I know I got at the bins. Um, but I have five listings, four have sold, but I would say that my average selling price is about like 19 or $20. Yeah. So maybe it just depends on the type of piece it is. For know. sure. For sure. These are sweaters. So that would make sense. Also, yeah, I had two blouses, a cardigan and a belt. Well, so that makes sense. Those gonna- aren't really high price, high ticket yeah. things. I mean, the cardigan though was like a duster yeah. um, and it only sold for $22. So that's pretty low. Mm, that's okay. Yeah, it's good. Side note to everyone who's listening, you should be listing things year round. So like, even if it's summertime, you should be listing sweaters and jackets and all that kind of stuff. Cause I can't tell you how many fall and winter pieces I've been selling since July. That's the yeah. majority of my sales since July has been sweaters, boots, jeans, like fall and winter jackets. Yeah, it's been a lot. I would agree. Um, I was laughing because within a span of three days, I sold three bathing suits and four pairs of jeans. And so it was just like, it was right down the middle. Like I, I'm surprised I'm still selling bathing suits because uh, I feel like I know I am like totally in fall mode right now, but it is still pretty hot. And, um, but the well, jeans we were are spoiled. The last two days were nice though, Lori. Yes. It's been so nice. My windows are open. The fans are on. It's been yep. so nice. Yes, yes, yes. Anyway, <laughs> a little hint of all. You know what I wanted to mention that I thought was kind of a fun little, um, you know, I feel like we all talk about American Eagle. I feel yeah. like that is a brand that maybe was underrated at one point, but everybody talks about it. I don't think it's underrated. I think everybody knows that their jeans sell pretty well, you yeah. know, the right style in a modern thing. But I looked at Airy, which is oh. like their loungewear. Yeah. Um, I just, I personally like Airy. I think they have cute, casual, loungy type of clothing. Um, and so I decided to look at that and I was surprised again. Um, I had eight items listed. I've sold seven and my average selling price was $27 and 14 cents. That's totally shocked. Totally shocked. Yeah. I've never sold an airy piece. However, when I was at Mm, TJ Maxx last week. I noticed that they had some airy pieces there, but they were still priced a little too high for me to pick up to, to like try it out and see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll have to keep my eye out at Salvation Army and see if I can find some airy pieces. Yeah. And just, just for reference, I've sold one bathing suit for $15, a sweater for 25, a dress for 32, a bralette for 20, and then Two pairs of leggings, one twenty-two, one twenty, and a pair of lounge pants for twenty-four. So yeah, I mean, and I think right now may be a good time to pick up Aerie because it is a lounge wear line. It is. It's like a comfort. It's very soft. Yes, and we are in loungy times these days. <laughs> that we are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you want to talk about more underrated, or want to move up to some overrated? Uh, sure, we can we can switch over to overrated. I feel like I have more underrated. Oh, but I have a couple overrated here. Okay, I have one I can talk about. Well, I'm not sure about it. Okay, you start. <laughs> so I think um, for my first one, and it's just from personal experience, and this brand might do well for you, but it does not do well for me, and it's Stuart Weitzman. I think it's overrated. I think it had its time, and I think it's it's no longer. Yes, do it. I have to agree. Um, I mean, I'm lucky if I can move it for $40. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it just doesn't move anymore. The only thing that maybe will move if it's if you get these, um, oh, what, I, what are they called? The 550 leather knee-high boots. 
like those will probably sell for a decent amount, but good luck trying to come across those. They're extremely mm. difficult to come across at the thrift store. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, they're like a super expensive Stuart Weitzman, um, knee high, like riding boot, uh, very desirable. But I found a pair at the bins by chance. They're a vintage pair, but it still took me six months to sell. And I think oh. I sold them for like $50. Um, but okay, well, I have three pairs of Stuart Weissman shoes listed. Haven't sold one. Yeah. I just think they're I'm 0 for three. So I would have to agree with you on that. I'll just agree with your brands or disagree. Oh, okay, that's, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have another one going off of shoes. Okay. Um, Salvatore Ferragamo also overrated. Hmm. I just feel like those were, those are like brands of the eighties and I don't even know about the nineties, but those were just like, those were, I think the reason they're overrated. And this is my guess is that what I find from those brands are very, very dated styles. Yeah. So, you know, you, you put like, I have a pair of Gucci's that, Ooh, Gucci, but they're kind of a dated loafer and they've been sitting for a while. So Although I will say with my Stuart Weitzman shoes, I have one pair that is the softest leather and it's like a mule, like in a, mm -hmm. like an olive green with like studs on it. It's such a beautiful shoe. I am shocked it hasn't sold. Well, the other two I feel are more like older looking. I think that's the thing with Stuart Weitzman too. Their shoes are actually, they're, they're wonderful shoes. They're very soft, mm -hmm. very well made. Um, but they just, just don't sell well I and mean, they retail for a ton go to Nordstrom and go look and see how much it was Stuart Weitzman pair of shoes cost it's ridiculous um they're very expensive but they just don't it just doesn't move even yeah. Ferragamo even the newer styles of Ferragamo it doesn't matter if it's a new style for either brand they just don't this is my own personal opinion obviously and they might sell very well for you but for me it's just I think now, it's overrated. I have a question Daniela um have you had luck with those brands at the real real mm, no not really okay they sell, but they always sell at a discounted price. Gotcha. But vintage Gucci does well on the real real. So that might be an option for you. Oh yeah, that's true. I could send them in. Vintage could also drop the price. Well. See, you know. There's a following for vintage Gucci and Chanel. Like those two, which are more luxe, right? There's definitely more of a following for that, whether it's a collector or, or something, you know. You never know who's shopping on the real real. You never know if it's like a museum owner or something, or maybe they have like a specialty shop where they, um, I don't know, where they showcase certain vintage items. It could be movie producers or, you know, designers for movies that are looking for different things. So sites like The Real Real kind of open it up to a bunch of different people. Um, I don't think too many of those types of individuals shop within Poshmark. It's possible they might. They might. I feel like The Real Real opens doors to other people. Hey everyone, Lori here. I just wanted to take a moment to thank Made to Order Podcast for sponsoring today's video. Made to Order Podcast creates one-of-a-kind audio stories for the big events in your life. They work with you to learn your story and then produce it into a personalized podcast with a professional narrator and music. Made to Order Podcast has different podcast styles such as birthdays, weddings, and anniversaries or whatever idea you may have. Play your made-to-order podcast at your wedding reception or birthday party or listen at home with friends and family for years to come. You can send it anywhere in the world digitally, making it an ideal COVID-friendly gift. For listeners of this podcast, 
Enter promo code THRIFT at checkout for $20 off your made-to-order podcast. Learn more at madetoorderpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone. Now back to the show. I absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. What else do you have for over? Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I'm scrolling here. Let's see. See, this is tough. Overrated is tough because someone might think Madewell's overrated, but Madewell's my number one selling brand. Yeah, I love Madewell too. Can I tell you something I've had in my closet for a while? Uh, not a while. It's been mid-quarantine. It's probably been three months. Aloe. I can't sell aloe. Really? See, I can sell aloe. Yeah, I know you love it. And I love the pieces I have. They're just not selling. I mean, my stuff is all new with tags. So maybe I have it priced too high. I don't know. Well, if it was like recently a Nordstrom rack too, that could be why. It's probably totally saturated right now. That's possible. Um, but do you have it on eBay? I'd put it on eBay. Really? I, I think one pair's on eBay. I'd put them on eBay. Uh, and Tradesy. Both mm. of them. Uh, but my average sale price for aloe is $43.25. Okay. Well... Yeah, maybe I need to drop the price. Then I'm probably not going to make too much. That's the that's the tricky thing with retail arbitrage at times, you know? Yeah. Um, here's one that I think is maybe it's overrated in my eyes and I don't know, but the North Face, I don't pick it up. It doesn't um, for me. I, I, North Face is a, is a bins brand for me. Although I did just send some to the Real Real and it sold. Really? Yeah. They, they got marked down to $25 and then it sold. <laughs> so I have listed four, eight, 12, 16, exactly 20 pieces from the North Face. And I have sold uh, four, eight, 12, 13, 14. So 14 out of 20. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. I have some snow pants that I got at the bins that sold for 50 bucks. I, have okay, I feel like snow pants would be the way to go when it comes to the North face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these were, they were kind of beat up. I was kind of surprised I got that much, um, you know, hoodies, 28, a silky fleece, 40. The, see my, my better prices were probably when I started like my very first listings, you know? Yep. 50, 40, 30, 27, 35. Yeah. Now, now it's like, there are still certain pieces that I think do well, but I don't know. I don't know. Do you think Patagonia is becoming overrated? Yes. I mean, based on my children, yes, because I feel like that's all they talked about two years ago. And mm-hmm. Angie's like, we're leaving for college tomorrow. And I said, did you bring your Patagonia? She's like, eh. I'm like, you might want to bring it, Angie. It's like a good you know, just like a throw on jacket to keep you warm. That's not bulky that you can throw in your backpack. If you're walking across campus, like you don't want a big expensive coat, like right. take. And she's like, I don't know, I guess like she doesn't even want to bring it. Yeah. See, I, <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day because I was looking at prices of Patagonia on um, Poshmark just to see like what they're going for. And it's completely different than what it was even last year. Yeah. Totally. I do think it's, it's shifted. But the funny thing is, like, I don't know what has taken its place because I feel like Patagonia put North Face out of business, so yeah, to speak. I think so too. Because I think uh, I know myself, like, I still wear like a shiny North Face black vest. That is like my uniform in the winter, and I love it. 
And it's just like a creature comfort thing. It's just lightweight. I throw it on. Um, I have much nicer coats that would make me look better. I just put that damn vest on everywhere I go. Um, but I, I do think that my kids were really into North Face and then Patagonia came along and Patagonia just phased out North Face. What I don't understand is I don't know what is phasing out Patagonia. Patagonia. I was just going to ask that. What would phase out Patagonia? I I don't know. That's my question mark. Um, I don't know if people are just now wearing things like like a Lululemon jacket that's warmer or an equivalent or I don't know what people are wearing. I think for an outdoorsy brand, you know? Yeah. I think that, um, that so many different brands are mimicking what North Face and Patagonia did, right? Yeah, like the better sweater is what, you know, mm-hmm. Jay wears it every day. He's got the better sweater in like a, like a hazily green color and black and he like rotates it. Like he wears it every single day. <laughs> That's yeah. in the winter, so, you know? He really loves it. <laughs> he layers it. It's just like what he puts on, like when he, he's like a grandpa, when he walks around the house, he just wants to stay warm <laughs> and he puts on his, his better sweater. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I'm just going to take a quick peek at Patagonia. I feel like, oh God, Patagonia was like gold for a while. If you found it was, if you found it, it was a big deal. The first time I went to the bins, Lori, I found four pieces of Patagonia and I couldn't have been more excited. And I flipped them. They were um, all pullovers. One was a vest. Three were pullovers. The pullovers sold for like, oh, I don't know between 45 and $55. And then the vest I think sold for 40, but I was so excited. Like it was my first time ever finding it and it was at the bin. So it was worth it. Yeah. I mean, I, gosh, I have a lot. I have like, honestly, too many to count pieces. Um, I've done all right. Like in the beginning, like you were saying, Daniela, like I'm looking at some of my earlier listings for like a vintage Patagonia cinchilla, 60 bucks or a quarter zip fleece, 50 um, a vintage half zip 52, the fuzzy kind for 55, um, another, like the retro pile hoodie, 55, 60, 52. The numbers are pretty high, but now they're tailoring. I've sold one, um, vintage cinchilla for $75. Um, you know what I had a really good run with on Patagonia and I don't always talk about my RA at Marshall's and TJ Maxx just because it is flooded. Um, but I bought three of the Patagonia rash guards, mm-hmm. um, but the, the brand, the, the pattern was called Jurassic ferns. Interesting. They were $14.99 at TJ Maxx. And there was a whole line of them and I bought three of them. They all sold so quickly. And these, they sold one sold for 60, one sold for 50 and one sold for 80. Oh, wow. Like very quickly. And then from that similar line, um, a bikini top that I paid nine ninety nine for sold for 30 bikini bottoms are still listed. So yeah, I ran out of those Jurassic. I wish I think I bought three because they were $14.99. I'm still like, I'm still investing $45 here and I've never Ooh. sold one of their rash guards. But I just thought because it was this really um, vibrant pattern, I think that's what sold it, you know? So I'm, I just Googled what brands are like Patagonia. Mm-hmm. And the first one that comes up is Pitcher Organics. Never heard of it. Um, another one is Toad & Co, which mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was 
branched with Patagonia. Prada. I mean, I can see that. I would still yeah. put Patagonia before that brand yeah. as far as popularity goes. Prana. Oh, yeah. Ten Tree. I love Prana. What was that? Ten Tree. Never heard of it. No. Uh, another one is, I think it's Skida. Skida. S K I D A. No. Nope. Uh, and Kodo Paxi. Never heard of them. Interesting. But apparently, these are all eco friendly outdoor apparel brands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I sell a ton of prana. I love prana. Yeah, prana does well. Um, okay, I have one that I think um, at one point in time was overrated, and now I think people don't really even mention it anymore. But James Purse, the retail's really high, mm. really high, uh, but resale is not not that great. The only piece that I sold um, for, I think I sold it for $95, that was James Purse, was a linen dress. Okay. Um, but that's because it was linen. That's fabric. Yeah. Yeah. I think the trouble with James Purse is they're all basics. Like they're beautifully, yeah. they're well-made. They're, you know, usually natural fibers, but they're basics. They don't, there's not enough, you know, pizzazz when you photograph them. Nope. 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 Um, and Do I don't one, feel like they never got, they're almost like a Parker or like a Rebecca Taylor. Like they never really got to that point where people were really seeking them out. So speaking of Rebecca Taylor, Jack actually just said this in his latest YouTube video with Ryan that he, that Rebecca Taylor does well for him. And mm-hmm. it's so funny because Rebecca Taylor does not, like, I can't move it to save my life. I have it. I pick it up if I find it the right price, but I still can't move it. Yeah. I mean, I like her stuff too. And that's, what's too Me bad. Too. Um, Rebecca Taylor was one of the first pieces I picked up at a yellow tag sale when I first started reselling. And I swear, I thought I had struck gold because the price tag was $250 and I paid 10. And I was like, holy smokes, I am going to make bank on this piece. And it sold for 40 bucks, um, like a year later. And then I'm looking, I did get a really pretty Rebecca Taylor leopard pullover sweater that sold for $68. So I only have four Rebecca Taylor pieces in total in my closet. Two have sold, um, one for 68, one for 40. So not bad. And then two are sitting and have been sitting for a while. Yeah. I think that goes with a lot of these brands that used to be big or still are big on certain websites like Shopbop, Net-A-Porter, like you'll see them and they're retail, they're very expensive and people will pay the retail price. When it comes to resale, they just don't work the same way. Like That's the part that really surprises me though. Like yeah. if you if you are a fan of Rebecca Taylor say and you know, you're looking on these expensive websites, I mean they're still listed on these websites for $250 or a sweater for 300. And like, how do, how do they even stay in business? Like somebody has to be buying them, but then you would think that the secondary market for people who were loyal followers of that brand would do okay with it, but they don't. Unless people that are loyal to that brand, just like the newest I am new with right? Like that's possible too. Um, another brand that you'll find at Nordstrom and Nordstrom Rack that retails really high is AGL. Um, but good luck reselling it because it just doesn't move. <laughs> Ad- Adriana Goldsley, is that what no, you're No, AGL, about? the, the, um, the shoe brand. Hold on. AGL, it stands for something. Hold on, hold on. Okay. I gotta Google it. I don't remember. AGL shoes. Uh, I've never seen them. Oh, they're, so they retail really high. They're made in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it stands it's the guy's name and of course it's not i'm on the website and it just comes up agl maybe that's just what they go by now yeah Hmm. Uh, AGL's created 1958 by Piero Giusti and um, his the Giusti sisters now own it so I'm assuming it's his daughters so this uh, gentleman started it his name is Piero and now his um, daughters Sarah, Vera and Mariana have it so it's a family owned business nice. they're very expensive the shoes are gorgeous I own four pairs that I thrifted um, very comfortable great leather but they just don't resell well yeah. Well, those are the pieces that are nice to pick up for yourself when you know the quality is there, but you're not going to resell them Yep. for much. I agree. Would you say there's any jean brands that you think are overrated? I think there are a ton of jean brands that I think are overrated. Maybe. I think I just mentioned one, Adriana Goldschmidt. Oh yeah, that AG jeans. AG. But I will say I looked quickly at my AG jeans and the only ones that really haven't sold, I have one pair of like traditional denim, but I have three pairs of colored denim, like a burnt orange and eggplant and one other color. But all the other pairs have sold. So I think that's one, you know, that's a for the right price. If I were at the bins and I grabbed a nice pair of AG that didn't, that didn't, weren't stretched out or that were high-waisted, I would still pick them up. I would just manage my expectations. I would expect to get what I would expect to get for a pair of like American Eagle jeans or less <laughs> where, yeah. you know, there was a time where I would expect to get 40 or $50 for those jeans. Same well, with Hudson. I would, say, I would say last year, this time, AG jeans were selling between that 40, 45 mark. I'd say about a year ago. Incredible how fast things change. Mm -hmm. uh, I think J Brand can be in there with Joe's, with yep. um, Lucky, yep. A Hudson. Um, by the way, these brands all retail for a lot of money. Like they're not cheap to buy new. I still pick up. So my thing with Hudson is I like the flap pocket. Yeah. For the right size in larger sizes. Yeah. I don't know why that still seems to work for me, but... Um, well, here's my theory on the larger sizes. I think there is such a demand to have larger sizes on the secondhand market because the majority of things that people are picking up, um, secondhand is just the way that I guess resellers have trained their brain. And a lot of the brands that we pick up only have, we typically only find in smaller sizes. So there's a, a big gap for those who are a size, you know, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20 and up. I mean, yep. there's it just is. I can't shop really. Like I try to shop on Poshmark for myself, but it's difficult because it's hard for me to find size 14, 16 and things that I like. It just yeah, is. Even I was desperately trying to put in an order at Lululemon the other day and um, everything that I liked was sold out in 10 and 12. I mean, they just, they just added 14. I know, which is pathetic, but which is pathetic. But I mean, it's not like you can get your hands on it. I mean, it's totally. Well, and if you think about it too, and you think, I mean, I'm speaking for myself here, but you know, we like, I like the stuff that stretches. So if I'm a size four, I don't necessarily need stretchy pants. I will go buy myself a smoking hot pair of jeans that are tight, you know, and I need stretch at a size 12, 14. Yeah. Make hey. them for bigger people, you know? Oh, I mean, I usually size down at, I usually get like a 10 in um, high rise leggings at, at Lululemon. Um, but these days I think 12 would probably fit better. Um, I think Lululemon is very forgiving. I feel like if you are like, so for me, for example, I can fit in a 12 or a 10 in Lululemon. Yeah. I don't and I'm nowhere near a 10 right now. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't have to wear the 14. However, um, this is my gripe with brands. This is going to be totally off topic. However, if you're a brand like Free People and you make all your items oversized, yeah. why can't you offer the same pieces to women who are plus size and just put within the label, this fits either as an oversized small or could fit size 10, 12. Do you know what I mean? Like you need to have that option and variation for people because you're limiting the amount of people that you can not only sell to, but you're also discriminating against women or men who are of larger sizes. I have a problem with it. I don't know about discriminating because I feel like if you, if you go, if I'm a size, like I can wear a medium sometimes in those oversized tops or even a small in some cases. Um, and I'm like a large, extra large. So it's not like, like I can't fit into it. I just think from a marketing standpoint, they're limiting their audience by not saying, like giving the measurements, you know, like the chest across from armpit to armpit, this is 27 inches, which would on a normal day, measure like a size 18, 20. And maybe have models on there that are plus size, like what Madewell does, which I love what Madewell does. They have- yes, like see this on. on a different size. Good American does the same thing. Yes. I love it. Yes. I think if more brands followed that, I mean, you'd, it, it would be great just to see it. Never mind, you know, for me to shop it. But I never used to go near free people just knowing that the models are always tall and thin. So I just never bought free people stuff until I actually realized that the majority of their clothes were oversized. Um, oh yeah. Free people is my friend. <laughs> yeah, see, I never, I never thought about looking at free people until I started reselling. Cause I just always thought the clothes were really small. So yeah. I, I mean, their bodycon stuff that is small doesn't sell for one. That's like what I never pick up anymore. But no, I, I think for me, I just have to be careful when I try it on that it doesn't look like tenty. You know what I mean? Yeah, like sometimes yeah, yeah. the oversize just makes you look even bigger. But yeah. I mean, generally, generally I, I do love their stuff. So no, we, you know what, maybe we should do an upcoming episode on brands that are size inclusive. Yeah. I think that's a good idea because we can obviously speak to it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that would be actually a really good one. I, I follow two women. Um, one, I just started watching and I can't remember her name, but Carrie Dayton is somebody on YouTube. She's like in her early thirties and she tries on, um, clothing. She basically is a spokesperson for that midsize woman, which I've been my whole life. Like I've at my smallest, I was probably a 10. And then like, I've been like size 10 to 14, like since I was in high school. And, um, and she talks about that. Like, you know, there, there's a lot for plus size women and there's obviously for everybody else. But like when you're that mid-sized woman and you're not quite a plus size, mm-hmm. but the clothes that you're trying on aren't really designed with you in mind. So it's- yes, I, I can go and shop at any store and buy their large, extra large or their 12, 14 or whatever. That doesn't mean it's going to look good on me <laughs> or that I have any right. business wearing it, you know? So she it's does- frustrating. Also- yeah, so it's I've I've been fascinated fascinated watching her channel because she does try-ons like she'll go to American Eagle and try on their jeans. She'll go to Target. She'll get stuff from Outdoor Voices. Like she tries on everything and just talks about, you know, is this really size inclusive, the pros, the cons and and I just love love her channel. I love that. I'm going to have to watch her channel. Yeah, I think you'd really enjoy her. That's that's interesting to me because I I relate. I find myself I'm like in this weird place where um sometimes 
regular size 16 doesn't fit me, but then if I go into a 16 women's, it's too big for me. Right. Um, or I, an extra large is just too small around my hip area because I have curves. But then if I go into a zero one X, it's too big on me. Right. Exactly. I, so, I mean, maybe you'd be a good candidate for like a torrid because like a torrid does yeah. start with like a size 10, 12. Yeah. That's um, a lot. Of, a lot of my clothes come from torrid because they just, I mean, that's what they do. They focus on curvy women. That's why I love good American. Good American is my favorite pair of jeans. It tops all other jeans that I've ever tried, even Everlane, even Madewell. It's just designed for my body. So I love good American. That's awesome. I've only had one pair of good American jeans and I didn't love them. Oh, that makes had me nothing sad. to do with the fit though. It was, they weren't That's possible. Like, um, they were like a fake skinny leg. They, they weren't skinny enough in the leg, but they were very comfortable high rise. I have to say my, my current favorite pair of jeans, I have two favorites. I got a pair of J crew. Um, I think toothpick jeans. Mm-hmm. Toothpicks are really popular. Yeah. Really love them. Like really, they're probably slightly too tight, but they look really good. And I suck it up for the day cause they look cute. Um, <laughs> but the pair that just fits so nice is a pair of mother jeans. Like I feel like a million bucks in them, except they're like two inches too long. So I have to wear them with boots. So they're like, I can't wear them right now, but they're, they're high waisted and they're like a charcoal gray with like a little bit of a flare. Like I feel young in them. Like they feel so good on my body. Like love, love them. I've never tried mother. Yeah. So, but I definitely like, they're not a pair that I can throw on and go run errands because I need to wear like probably two inch heels with them. (laughs) Like I'd have to wear like a wedge boot. Yeah. Or yeah. like a, like a booty with so it's them. it's the perfect they, fall jean. Perfect. I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, okay. So nice. speaking of overrated, I have to say Torrid. Yeah. Oh, I get I, so to resell. Yes. Frustrated with Torrid to resell. Yes. Like I know. here's my frustration with Torrid. All of my Torrid pieces get an enormous amount of attention. Yes. And I don't have them priced very expensive but nobody wants to pay for them. I know. And I think a lot of it is because Torrid runs so many sales and their clearance is just so cheap. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Mm. That makes sense. I'm not a Torrid. I've never like shopped in the store. So I don't know. Um, The one exception I will say, and I just picked up a second jacket from this line is their Outlander line. Yep. I sold a plaid, you know, from the, from the series Outlander. Yep. They have like Outlander inspired, they had a line and I picked up this like plaid, like wool, A-line coat that was absolutely stunning. And I picked it up at Plato's Closet. They had it marked like $12 and it sold lightning fast for me. And I recently picked one up um, at Salvation Army, they had it marked nine ninety nine, and I passed on it because it was missing the belt. And yeah. then I went back the following week, and it was half off. So I picked it up for five dollars. I haven't listed it yet. Ah, well, maybe that won't do better. I will say, Torrid dresses is tough. Um, I have two Torrid dresses in my closet. One I think I'm just going to pull. And I'm going to keep for myself um, because I like it. And the other one has it, it had thirty likes, no offers. I relisted it. Now it has fifteen likes nothing. Um, so I don't, I don't know why, but torrid dresses just don't work for me. Just, like I have a torrid high, low floral dress with like butterflies on it. And it's something. beautiful, right? It's cute. I mean, yep. 
I currently have it listed for $22 and I know I've dropped the price on it and I know I've relisted it. I have 29 likes on it. Wow. 29 likes and it's $22. I'm not going to, what do people want me to say? lower than that. Yes. Like it's super frustrating to me. Um, But I did, I was very excited. Um, I just recently picked up some Torrid and uh, they were leggings and they were very, very fashionable leggings. Like they had a very, they almost look dip dyed, like ombre, like they yeah. start out like charcoal gray and go to black, but mm-hmm. it's a really fine line, like a horizontal line that goes across. They are fantastic. And they were a size four X. So I've had those listed for like two days and they have seven likes on them, but I listed those at $34 because I'm like, I know no one's going to pay full price for these. I'm going to list them slightly high. And, Let me um, list them as high as I can. Well, yeah, 34. And then if someone likes them and they sell for 20, we're good. Right, right. I mean, I think that's the thing with Tori. You just have to know, you have to lower your expectation a little bit, just like with some other brands and just realize that they're not going to sell for what you think. And then there's going to be that one piece that surprises you and sells for full asking. And you're going to be like, okay, I know nothing anymore. Everything I thought was not true. I mean, the pieces that have sold best for me for Torrid is I had an, an amazingly beautiful teal velvet burnout floral kimono that mm-hmm. uh, the woman I used to nanny for gave me photographed gorgeous, like had 29 likes It ended up selling for $55. And then that Torrid Outlander tartan plaid Claire coat sold for $65. And I have another one that I'm getting ready to list. So those are both good pieces. So again, I think this is one of those, like those substantial, like yes. a sweater or denim or a beautiful caftan will go well, but like just your general blouses and shorts and like simple dresses. Meh. I'm going to say the same goes for cabbie too. If you have a really nice cabbie sweater or cardigan duster or something like that, it's going to do really well. Um, even some cabbie dresses, but tops, meh. Yeah. Again, yeah, teens, unless, unless you get so. them at that dollar sale and you're happy with an $18, $15 right. flip. Yeah. Cabbie jeans too. It's another one. I, even if it's a newer label, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, I'm looking at my cabbies right now for a 12 listed and I've only sold five. So I don't even have a 50% sell through rate with my cabbie. I have um, five listed, two have sold, but one was um, was a jacket, which is why my average sale price is higher on it. So my average sale price on cabbies is $37.50, but um, that's because I sold a jacket. So Right, that, that boosted. I mean, I did, I, I had this one Fair Isle sweater that um, I wasn't even sure. I'm like, should I pick this up? Shouldn't I? Like hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed. And I finally, I picked it up. It had this weird side button at the chest. I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't going to photograph literally sold in two days for $48 full asking. Yeah. There's just always those that shock you. Every time you think, you know, a brand, something will surprise you about it. Yeah. Agreed. 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 Uh, Jay McLaughlin. I don't ever pick it up. Jessica McLaughlin. Um, you know, I had that, um, on my list of overrated, um, I'm 50, 50 on it as far as what has, what has sold. Um, Yeah. I've only sold one piece and it only sold for $37 and I've never picked it up again. So yeah, I sold um, a scarf for 15 and then a, another scarf for 23. And I have two men's items listed right now that haven't moved. Um, I've kind of shifted to trying the men's stuff because the, the women's stuff is really preppy and it's not really my aesthetic anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not, not, not my favorite brand. I have one more. Okay. One more. Vince. 
Ooh, that's a tough one. I know. I know. It's like that in between where some pieces are totally overrated and then there's other pieces that are underrated. So I think if it's a Vince um, coat of some sort, it's got to be a very luxurious piece when it comes to Vince, in my opinion. I feel like Vince is in the same category as James Purse. They're basics. They're solid colors. Unless you're seeking out the brand, there's nothing in a photograph that's really going to draw you in. Like sometimes I'll just pick up beautiful floral patterns or, you know, um, things that have a lot of texture to them just because I know they're going to photograph well. And Vince is just very underwhelming. It is. It is. I look, if it were cashmere, different story. Yeah. Um, because even their silk tops, they're just boring. They're just very plain. And yeah. even though it's silk, it doesn't matter. And the same goes with joie, right? Very simple. Even when they are patterns, they just don't really sell well, even though they're silk. Uh, I um, never looked at my Vince sell-through rate. I've only sold two Vince pieces. I have eight listed and I've only sold two. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, I better stop picking up Vince. Yeah. Well, maybe not stop completely. I but yeah, I do pass on it a lot, but I feel like I find a lot of old Vince that I, I just wouldn't. So do I. A ton of old Vince. I did find the two pieces of Vince that sold for me and that sold high um, that gave me the average sale price of $67.50. They were new with tag Vince wool trousers. Oh, nice. um, I found them at Savers for $5.99. I sold them to the same person. So Ooh, awesome. Uh, yeah, and she, but she loved Vince, and she always is on the hunt for Vince. So it, it worked in my favor, but I would have probably sat on those for a little bit if I if this buyer didn't come to my closet. Well, that's really nice too, and I think it's important to know if you have if if you have a a customer who you know what they like. Like one of my best customers, um, her name is Dee Dee. If you're listening, Dee Dee, I love you. She's Hi, Dee Dee. Business. Um, but she, I know that she loves Victoria sports, Victoria's secret sports bras. And she's also like a big, um, free people, bohemian type of shopper. I know her size. And every time I see a Victoria's secret sports bra, I pick it up and she tends to buy things full price. She doesn't send offers. I scold her all the time. Like you are literally my best customer, like send me an offer. And she just buys things outright. So I keep a stash of, um, Victoria's Secret sports bras on hand that I can include with her purchase because Aww. she buys things outright all the time. But it's really nice when you know when you can profile some of your customers and you know what certain customers are looking for. I've had people say, you know, oh, if you if you find any more vineyard vines in a large, like I work on the water, I like just a lightweight cotton tee to throw on it, but it has to be long sleeve. Like it's fun. So now you know you have that customer, you can shop for her and find Vince pieces. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a brand that doesn't typically sell for you, you know you have someone who's looking for it. That's nice. Yes, it's nice to make relationships with their customers and it keeps them coming back and then they'll tell their friends and you know that's how you get your business to keep growing. And also, just to throw it out there, I just sold just now an Athleta Yellow Tracker hoodie pullover for full asking price at $34. Oh my gosh, while we were talking? <laughs> yeah, just now. <laughs> that is so awesome yeah. and so appropriate to the conversation. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So pick up your athleta. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a great sale. Um, speaking of which, I have to wake up at 8 a.m. and drive my daughter to Pennsylvania. I know. I know. So, and I feel like we could talk about 37 more brands. And Yes, we could, but we're not going to do that. We have to like cut it off at some point. So I have to go pull my sales and get ready. 
um, because I'm not going to have time to do shipping tomorrow. So I have to go do that and pack my bags and get ready to um, drive seven hours tomorrow. I'm excited. Well, you're going to thrift on your way back. So I'm excited to hear all about it. That is my carrot for the way back. Like yeah. <laughs> just get them there. So I have to map that out. I also have to map that out and get in touch with some of my Pennsylvania friends, see where I should go. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lori, for this fun conversation as always. Thank you, Daniela. This is always fun. I love doing these. I know me too. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Hope it gave you some, you know, detailed information as to what works for us and what doesn't, what we think is overrated, what we think is underrated, and maybe it'll help you kind of, you know, guide your sourcing trips a little bit. Yeah. And if you happen to check us out on Instagram, you can follow us on Instagram and on this um, post for um, this particular episode, leave us your opinion on overrated and underrated brands. Like I'd love to hear what works for you and what sits in your closet. It's always fun to see what works for other people. Yes. So make sure you go follow us on Instagram. We love to hear from all you guys. If you want to leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, that's really nice of you if you were to do that because it helps us and it helps other people reach out to us and find us too. Uh, so Thank you again, yeah. guys. I Excellent, will everybody. Have a wonderful week. Thanks, as always, for listening. Yes, thank you. See you next week for another episode of Coffee Talk. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs>